22, verse 34, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 34. Uh, more Christ-like love is the title of the message. I, I would say it's maybe a little more Sunday school-like. matter of fact, I taught this lesson, this, this part at our uh, deacon's retreat we had earlier this year. But I think it's needful uh, for our time now, and I, I want to be here tonight. Matthew 22, verse 34. Stand with me, if you would. Matthew 22, verse 34 through 40. It says, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for first loving us. And uh, thank you for how you demonstrated that love at Calvary. And I'm so thankful for it. I pray this evening that you'd speak to our hearts through your word. Ground us in the scripture this evening. Uh, Lord, help us to take it and practically live it. And uh, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with me and be with my mouth. Give me the words you'd have me to say and touch our hearts in the, the time that we have. We love you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Romans, this chapter of scripture, the Lord gives us two commands. Number one, love the Lord thy God. And number two, love thy neighbor as thyself. There is a call to love God and to love people. And uh, there is a clear call for that. I want you to compare that to these verses in Romans chapter 16, verses 17 through 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. 1 Timothy 1, 3, I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. In one passage of scripture, the Lord is calling us to love the Lord and love people. And the next, he's calling us to mark and avoid. There's no question that in our world, truth is really just under assault. Uh, John chapter 17 and verse 17 says, Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Uh, even in places that once upon a time clearly held truth to a high standard, it has begun to dwindle. We live in a day and age, and I'm going to use the word church extremely loosely, that they are ordaining homosexuals to the, pro to the pulpit, ordaining women to the prophet or to the pulpit. And we know this, that truth is very much under assault. If you watched the Super Bowl last time, you were disappointed at the end, no doubt. All right, no, I'm teasing. But uh, if you caught any of the commercials, hopefully you didn't. You used to be able to watch them and enjoy them. Now I try to fast forward through them. There was one of them that above all should have been avoided, and it was called He Gets Us. I had to go out of the way to go back and watch it, and, uh, and it bothered me. And in it, it, it speaks almost of a tolerant view of sin, it calls, us, it calls you to, to look at different things, and certain elements of it had some truth in it, but to go to individual things and become accepting of them. And I, I love the verse where it says in Corinthians, it lists some sins, and then it says this of the Lord, and such were some of you, but ye are washed. God takes us as we are, but he does not leave us as we are. God saves us, sanctifies us, changes us, and calls us to live a different life. And I'm thankful that we can look back and say, and such was I, but for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The song this morning, were it not for grace, the grace of God. There's a call in our life to love people, and there's a call to love them in a, a Christ-like fashion, but at the same time, we live in a world in which 
truth is under assault. And oftentimes what is used in acceptance of wrong is that little word, love. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Boy, how is that speaking of our day? Forbidding to marry, forbidding to, commanding to abstain from meats. That's one I'll never get, all right? And I don't believe you've eaten unless there's something that has died, sacrificed its life, all right? And, but we live in that culture. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says this, Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, bo- boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. From such there's a to turn away. God clearly calls us to love people, to love God, but at the same time to hold the truth. And I will say this, that if you love people as God commanded, you're always looking, where is the line? Where is the line? I want to love people, but I live in this world in which truth seems to be falling by the wayside. And I do not want to, in the name of love, fall away from my God. The Bible warns us. He specifically states, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. I notice what it says they're giving heed to seducing spirits. I've said it, I've heard it said of people that are declaring some doctrinal error, but they're so gracious, so kind. Can I tell you something? Error coded in kindness is not grace, it is seduction. Regardless of intent, when error is coded in kindness, it is seduction. It seduces us away from the Lord. It is not grace, it is not kindness, it is a seducing that pulls someone away from the truths of God's word. So where is it? How do I live this life where I navigate through a world that moves further from God, trying to reach people, trying to love people, but holding clearly to the things of God? How do I do that? I think in this passage of scripture we find some of those answers, and the first thing I want you to notice is priority matters. Priority matters. Notice in these verses, the man would ask him in an attempt to trick him, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy, and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the what? The first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Deuteronomy 6.5 And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. There is a call that God gets first in everything. Colossians 1, 16 through 18 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. 
And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the what? Preeminence. When it comes to love, it is always love God first. Love God first. I must realize this, that when there is a pull that would pull me from God in pursuit of loving someone else or something else, it is love God first. In order of priority, it is to love God above everything else. It is the love of God that puts everything else into perspective. We love him because he first what? Loved us. How do I love my wife rightly? By loving God first. It is a priority in this life that the Christian must set in their life. I will love the Lord first. I look into the, some of the prophecies of Scripture and we see during the time of the tribulation there will be a one world church. You ever wonder, as you look around at our world, at the religions of our day and wonder how that happens? Islam, Catholicism, all the different faiths. I'm going to use that word very loosely. How do they get together? Could it be that something becomes more important than what they have doctrinally? Just love and accept me for where I'm at and who I am. We can watch it unfold in our culture in our day. The acceptance of wrong and sin. And, and you know, friend, that's a form of idolatry. God is never set satisfied with second place. When he sums up those two commandments, he would say this in the Ten Commandments. Let me give you the first ones. And God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness or anything that is heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of fathers unto the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my my commandments. What is God saying? Nothing before me. In our world, there's a call from God that loving him would be above everything. Everything. I've heard the words before, as you hold to a, 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 a clear biblical command, that's just not very loving. Friend, who do you love first? Who is your first love? What is number one? And who is number one is the first question. And any other answer than Jesus is the wrong answer. He must be first. And when I look at the call to love people and to love those in this world, I must recognize this, that friend, I was saved by one. I was created by one. And he told me to love him above all else. Priority matters. Not only do we see that priority matters, but, but we see this, that practice matters. Practice. How do we know how to practice love? You know, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, God said, and let us make man in what? Our image. Why are we the way we are? God made us like him. Why is it that humans have the capability to love 
and those emotional elements of who we are, you were made in his image. God is love. We were made like God. We were made in his image, and that doesn't mean that we're an exact duplicate of him, but we have that nature in us, that ability to love, that, that will, and all of those things that mark us. But there's a problem. See, God made us in his image, but then something messed it all up, didn't it? God put that one tree in the Garden of Eden and said, Don't eat of that tree. For the day that you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. And they ate of this tree. And sin entered into the, world by, into the world and death by sin. And our nature was twisted. That nature that was made in the image of God, that nature was untainted by sin, now became a sin nature. And Ephesians chapter 2 says this, we were dead in trespasses of sin. We were under the prince and power of the air. This once holy being was now an unholy being. And everything about us was twisted on its end to the point that God said, for the wages of sin is death. And death and hell are the second death. There is this reality about human nature that it is twisted. The emotional desire is not always to be trusted. The way we feel about loving certain things cannot always be trusted because it is tainted by sin nature. We see it in the world. I think of this verse as an illustration in, in Proverbs chapter 13, 24, it tells this to the father and the parent. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. In other words, God tells me, Seth Han, if you love your children, you are going to discipline them. And if you hate your child, you're not. Now that's flip side of the world, isn't it? I've heard, well, I don't spake my child. I don't want to teach them violence. <laughs> Friend, you don't have to teach a child violence. It's in their nature, all right, all right? You don't have to read your Bible. You can just look at this world, all right? And uh, you don't have to teach it to them. Uh, you know, Cain didn't need any instruction, the first murderer, on how to do it. It came to him naturally as a result of sin. But God says, if you love them, you will chasten them. If you hate them, you will not. Now, that flies in the face of the world's philosophy, but it is not what the Bible teaches me. It says, Seth Han, if you love your child, chasten him. Matter of fact, it says, fathers, bring your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, honor and obey them, for this is the first commandment with promise. What is that promise? Well, if you were to go back to Exodus chapter 20 and you would read the Ten Commandments, the first commandment that came with a promise was that commandment to obey your parents and to honor them. And you know what it says? That thy days may be long upon the earth. God says, obey, and there's a blessing that comes with it. It's the first commandment with promise. So in other words, friend, if I don't discipline my ch children and teach them to obey them, I am going to hinder and hurt their future. I'm going to hurt their future. It is love to discipline and expect obedience so that their days may be long upon the earth. Flip side of the world's philosophy. What is it? Practicing love doesn't come in a biblical fashion naturally. Why is it this world has twisted it? Friend, friends, some people are more in love with themselves than they are with their spouses. 
Some folks are more in love with doing what they want to do and accomplishing what they want to accomplish. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The desire to have, the desire to experience, the desire to be, and that is what they love to the extent of putting God on second place and putting everything else in second place. I want this. I want to become something. I want to possess something. We live in a world when men try to say they love men together and women try to do that. What is happening? Twisted love. How do I know how to practice love? Right here. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. If ye love me, keep my what? Commandments. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and when thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Why the word of God? Because the only way that you can love God, the way that he says is love, is by obeying what is in his word. And the only way I can truly love people is by loving them by the way the Bible instructs me to. Many times we see someone say something is love, and yet it is the absolute farthest from it. And it is in the Scripture that I find how to practice it. How to practice it. Friend, it's not in your feeling. The heart is desperately wicked. The Bible tells me. The heart is not to be trusted. God's word is to be trusted. You know, I think of a pilot when he learns to fly. A pilot learns to fly and he can fly by sight, but they have to pass a certain thing to be able to to be instrument rated. It was John F. Kennedy Jr. who flew his plane into the ground. He wasn't instrument rated and he was flying through bad weather and he could no longer see well. And he lost his bearing and he flew his plane straight into the ground because he felt like he was going up. But in reality, he flew his plane right into the ground by the way he felt. There's an instrument rating for the Christian. It's God's word. When it comes to navigating this world, you know what I have to ask myself is what does God's word say on the matter? It is... Love God first. Priority matters. Practice matters. And the way I love my children, and the way I love my wife, and the way I love church members, and the way I love a lost man, the practice of it. What does God say in his word? Yet you will find the world's definition of, of love, and oftentimes the liberal church's view of love will lead you to compromise what the Bible says in the name of love. That is not love. Priority matters. Practice matters. Love fathers, love their children. It even says in Ephesians how you're to behave in the workplace. Servants, be obedient to them and your masters according to the flesh. 
God gives instructions for husband and wife relationship, father and children's relationship, children's relationship with their parents, your, your relationship with those that you work with, your relationship in a lost world. God gives instruction after instruction. And when he said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and the second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. He wasn't leaving a vagueness on how to love. He gave it to us in his word. Love, true love, true love never leads contrary to what the Bible states. Never. We are to, the priority matters, the practice matters, and we see this purpose matters. I think of this when it comes to the church. God has given the church a purpose to fulfill. And the only way to please Him as a church is to be busy with the purpose that God has called us to. What is that purpose? Well, number one, spread the gospel, isn't it? And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth, and, uh, and go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. In, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it was Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We just finished with a week of missions conference as we focused on how do we get the gospel from here to places we will never be. A command of the church. It is a command to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the farthest corners of the world. But it doesn't stop there, does it? It does not. It says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. To teach them all things. This book, it is to ensure the world knows the gospel and the Christian knows the word. We are to teach Bible doctrine. We are to teach it. You know, there's two events in the future that we are preparing people for. Two events. First one is the great white throne judgment, isn't it? Is your name written in the book of life? Have you come to know Christ as your Savior? And the dead will stand before him and the book will be opened. And the Lord will look, is this a man saved man? And if they're not a saved man, depart from me. I never knew thee. And they'll be cast forever from his presence into the lake of fire. To be separated from the Lord. And friend, we ought to keep that in our mind. This world needs the gospel. There are a lot of good things you can do for people, but the best thing you can do is give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give them, the, as a matter of fact, every other good thing should lead into the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel. But not only that, but to teach the scripture, the word of God to, to those that are there, to teach them and disciple them. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. It is the pillar and the ground of truth. Well, what is truth? The Bible says, Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. We are meant to be that foundation, faithfully teaching and proclaiming the truths of God's word, the doctrines of of the word of God. 
I think of the verse in, in the book of, in the book of um, Luke chapter 18, verse 18, the Lord says this, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. When he says faith, he's not talking about a feeling. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the what? Word of God. He's talking about this. Will he find those faithfully living by the truths of God's word? Will he find them? Well, there's a group of people that are meant to share there's still some folks around. It's the local New Testament church. To teach it, to proclaim it, to walk it. 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 15 says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. He would go on to say that you might save yourself and them that hear thee. To walk it, to live it, to say this is what the Bible says and this is what I will practice. And this is what I will hold to. It's a clear call. The church doesn't have leeway when it comes to the word. Its job is to proclaim it and teach it for what it says and go neither to the left hand or to the right. You say, but preacher, I just love people. Who do you love first? Who do you love first? The word. The word. Priority matters. Practice matters. Friend, it's not loving just because it makes you feel good. It's loving because God said so. It's loving because God said so. And priority matters. Practice matters. It is the church's and purpose matters. We are to guard Bible doctrine. Let me give you some verses here. Again, 1 Timothy 1.3. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went to Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. That was Paul speaking to Timothy when he sent him to the church. He said, Timothy, when you get there, you make sure this is right and that is doctrine. You know, it is a pastor's job to look to the teaching of the church and make sure that no other doctrine is taught than what is right here. Now, sometimes people get upset. Take it up with Jesus. He's the one who said it. Take it up with God. No other doctrine. He would say this in 2 Thessalonians 3, 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Jude 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once Delivered unto the saints. Contend for it. Fight for it. Stand for it. It is our job to be the pillar and the ground of truth. It is not the politician's job. It, is, it should be in our home, but it's not even necessarily the job of the home. But it's clearly the declared purpose of the church. To be the pillar and the ground of truth. To ensure it. To guard it. To walk it. To teach it. 
he would say this in uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Romans again in 16, 17 through 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them for they serve for such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, he doesn't necessarily speak to their intention, but clearly to the result of what false teaching does. Don't do it. He would call us. Galatians 1, 6-9, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which he have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said it before, unto, or as we said before, so I now, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that ye have received, let him be Accursed. He said, in case you didn't get it the first time, let me repeat it a second time. (laughs) Don't compromise truth. Don't compromise truth. We live in a world in which the call to bend off the word of God is a call to just love people. What they're asking you to do is love them over God. And I would say, Jesus first. I would also say, friend, that to coddle somebody in wrong that will clearly destroy their life is not love in the first place. Priority matters. Practice matters. Purpose matters. This church is called to be a place where truth is proclaimed and it cannot be backed off of in the name of just getting along. God calls us when necessary to contend for the faith, to mark and avoid, but above all, keep the word of God. That when the Son of Man cometh, he finds faith on the earth. Well, I think Jesus is coming soon. And I surely hope if he tarries for a long time that when he arrives that Grace Baptist Church in Columbus, Georgia will still be declaring the truths of the word of God regardless of how popular it is in the world. Regardless of what a lost world thinks about it or a liberal compromising, using the word church loosely thinks of it, what does God in his word say? And that is the foundation of it all. To proclaim it. Permanence matters. Priority matters. We see practice matters. We see see purpose matters. And we see permanence matters. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 11 says this. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And we're trusting that one day we're going to see him. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We would rather be with him than here. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest unto your conscience. Friend, there is coming a day when we'll be held accountable for our life. And God God does not leave us wondering to what standard we will be held to. The standard is that book in your lap. 
That is it. He doesn't leave me wondering. Philippians 2, 15 through 16, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. How do you know you haven't labored in vain in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, in the midst of a world that calls wrong right and right wrong? And how do I know? Because we hold forth the word of God, the word of life, and we live by it, and we hold it, and we don't come off of it because the thing that will matter for all of eternity is whether you've lived in light of this book. There are two things that matter for an eternity, the Bible and the souls of men. And the only way souls of men can be ready for an eternity is if they are ready by the way of the word. The gospel and Christian living. Can you imagine the great sadness of many churches today? And in the interest of making people happy, they have compromised this book. And as a result of compromising this book, they are hurting people's preparedness for an eternity. And rather than hearing the word, well done, they will not. In Matthew chapter 5, it says those that will be called great in the kingdom of heaven will be those who do and teach this book. And those that will be called least in the kingdom of heaven are those who do not do and teach others not to do as well. I would submit to you that there are many with big crowds that if they make it will be least in the kingdom of heaven. This book is what prepares a man for an eternity with his Lord. Permanence matters. I've got five children to raise. Friend, I'm not raising them for the day they leave my home, to be quite frank. I'm raising them for the day they see their Jesus. And there's the difference for the Christian in the lost world. The lost world is raising their children that they'll be successful when they leave their home. The Christian raises their children that they'll be successful at the throne, at the judgment seat. If the world calls my child a failure, but God calls them a success, then something right happened, friend. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you have to be a failure in this life in order to be a success in eternity. But I'm saying we don't raise families for the day they turn 18. We raise them for the day they see their Jesus. And there's one way to do it. The word of God. Are you walking according to the word? Because that is what is permanent. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. What is the grass and the flower? It's men and the kingdoms of men. They come and they go. But the word of our God shall stand forever. This is the thing that readied us, readies us for an eternity. Maybe you've heard the acrostic for Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. There's coming a day. We're entering the presence of our Lord. When it comes to loving people right, priority matters. My practice matters. I had to love you the way God calls me to love you. 
purpose matters. Friend, the proclamation of the scripture, the truths of God's word, permanence matters. Why does the word matter? Because every soul on this life is an eternal soul and will spend their eternity somewhere in heaven or in hell. And every saved soul will see their savior one day and be held accountable for the way they've lived their life. And the only way to be ready for that, I've heard people say, it's just getting them saved that matters. Well, saved is the first priority. But if that's where you stop, then you disobey God. If that's where we stop, then we've disobeyed our God. Because the Great Commission is not the gospel alone. It is the entirety of this book. We see that priority matters. We see that practice matters and purpose matters and permanence matters. And lastly, and I'll be finished, poise matters. I like John 1 verse 14. It speaks to the Lord. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. You know how, what your answer ought to have? It ought to have grace and salt. It ought to kindly sting at times to this world. It ought to preserve, but it ought to point people to Jesus. Proverbs 16, 6, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Our poise matters in this world. Right now, I've seen folks stand for the Lord in the most disagreeable of fashions. And I think, ugh, maybe shrink into my seat just a little bit. <laughs> now, I will tell you this. If I got to choose between someone who harshly communicates truth or someone who smoothly communicates air, give me the harsh. <laughs> I'd rather have to swallow that big horse pill that does something for me <laughs> than to swallow that gummy worm that does absolutely nothing. <laughs> All right, I would. <laughs> but the reality is, just because you stand for truth doesn't mean we have to be a jerk about it. It does not mean it. To graciously and kindly stand for truth. You know what works? Mercy and truth. Grace seasoned with salt. I think of our Savior. What, a, what an example. He could go out of his way to the Samaritan woman that everybody wanted to avoid and go down and meet the woman at the well and say, I must needs go through Samaria. And share the gospel with a broken, sinful woman. And look at the Pharisee. Say, you vipers. You vipers. I think of our Lord. Talk about a demonstration of both grace and truth. Christian, truth and grace. I think of this, friend. You... You can, help, you can be like the Samaritan helping the someone broken along the road without going to the pigsty of the prodigal son. You can do both. The father, when his prodigal son wandered, never went to the pigsty, never dirtied his hands in the mud of the world. He waited with the light switch on. His son knew where to go. The Samaritan 
found a man broken alongside of the road, needing help, calling out. And he reached down and helped him. I think of Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians chapter 6, let me just go ahead and turn there and I'll be finished tonight. Galatians chapter 6, it says this. Galatians chapter 6, you probably know the verse. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Ready with a hand, but not swimming in the mire. Ready with a hand, but not swimming in the mire, friend, is the state a Christian's supposed to be in. Reaching to the world, but not living like the world. Watching that one that you've had to mark and avoid because they've gone off into falsehood, but being ready to welcome them back when they repent and turn back to their God. Not kicking the one when they fall down, but waiting to restore them when they return. Poise matters. You know what gets us in this world so many times? We're right. We're just very wrong in the way we go about it. And God tells us to be gracious. Seasoned with salt. And we live in a world, I, I don't think it gets better, to be quite frank. And not just in the lost world. You know when it gets harder? When it touches your home, doesn't it? It touches your home. How do I do it? Number one, keep God first. What someone needs who strayed away from God is somebody who keeps God first. What a lost world desperately needs is Christians who keep God first. Who love God first and love people after the way they love God. Who practice love in a biblical fashion. Not in the world the way the world paints it. It's not love the way the world paints it. It's love the way the Bible instructs it. Who keeps their purpose at the forefront. The truths of God's word that matter. And realizes this permanent mat- permanence matters. You can comfort someone in a moment and damn them for eternity. You can comfort someone in a moment and lose their soul for all of eternity. Go to your Bible. Condemned already. The gospel, the Bible calls a rock of offense. And we're not careful. We'll buy the world's goods and we'll comfort a lost world in their sin and send their soul into a Christless eternity. Permanence matters. Purpose matters. Poise matters. I want to hold the truths of God's word at the forefront and walk into the presence of my God knowing I was pleasing in his sight. And I want to do it graciously. And certainly sometimes that means what I say will be very disagreeable to a world that's turned from God. But when it is disagreeable, it will be gracious because it matters for an eternity. He gets us. He does, but he won't leave you there. That's not God. 
and he won't condone it. That's not God. He will condemn the sin and provide a savior who will pull you out. And he'll call a Christian to take a stand and graciously live for truth in this world. Those who turn from God ought to know us as the most gracious people who stand for truth. They love God. They won't come off his word. I don't always like what they say over there. But at least they're nice when they say it. And they love their God. A gracious people. Now sometimes they'll mark you. I think the Lord would say in Matthew, Blessed are you and men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Friend, you can be gracious and still be reviled. (laughs) And just because the world's reviling doesn't mean you're wrong. (laughs) The world doesn't like truth when it pokes to their heart. But graciously love and graciously stand because there's coming a day when we will enter into his presence and see our Savior face to face. And in that day, the priority will matter. Was God first. He will never be satisfied with second, ever. Never. Did you practice love not according to the way you felt about it, but according to the way he instructed in his word? Did you faithfully hold to the purpose of proclaiming that book? Did you look to the matters of permanence, how long it matters for? And did you maintain a Christ-like poise in the way you stood for truth? Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the word of God. And I thank you for the day that I came to know Christ as my Savior. And I I pray, Lord, that we would stand right. Lord, I am sure in my own mind, I can see folks that I know and that I love that aren't anywhere near where they should be with the Lord. And yet we have a call to love them and to love our God, to reach them. I pray, Lord, that you would reach those who've turned from the Lord. I pray that you would use us to navigate that in a way that is pleasing to the Lord, that we would keep our Savior first. Lord, we practice love according to the Scripture and not according to the way we feel. Lord, that we'd realize our purpose to proclaim the truth, that we'd look to the fact that they have an eternal soul and they will spend it somewhere for all of eternity. And Lord, that we would do it with a Christ-like poise in our life, loving people and loving God in a way that is pleasing to you. Heads bowed and nice closed. How many of you could say... I, no, it's not really a salvation message tonight, but you can preach, I know that I'm saved. That's a settled thing for me. Would you raise your hand as a, just a testimony between you and I and the Lord? As a preacher, I know that I'm saved. Thank you. Put your hand down. Is there anybody here this evening that would say, preacher, I, I'm not sure about my salvation, but I, but I want to settle that this evening. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Is there anybody? Let me ask you this then. How many of you say, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart, or maybe the Lord brought someone to your mind. I have a spot on my prayer list. It's the prodigal list. It's those that I've known and those that I've loved who have turned away from the Lord. Turning away to completely live for themselves in the world or turning away from his word. And I spend time with regularity praying, Lord, would you grab a hold of their heart and bring them back? And Lord, would you help me to be the kind of Christian that you would have me to be to lovingly love them and point them to the Lord? Maybe God laid someone like that on your heart or a conviction and a place to stand in your life. But you say, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart this evening. Would you raise your hand? And would you stand with me as that pianist begins to play, as the invitation is given? And boy, spend time before the Lord. And I, I think of the call to pray, friend. I, probably, I doubt any one of us could stand here and say, we don't know somebody that hasn't turned away from the Lord, whether it's into serious gross sin or 
whether it's into doctrinal error, whether it's just a coldness toward the things of God. They've lost that. Friend, God puts you in their life on purpose and you can't compromise truth and you can't come off the word of God, but you should certainly be praying for them with a hand outstretched. But as God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord this evening.